0: And welcome to Racing with RK, episode number nine. Today we've got karting legend Lynn Haddock on with us. Going to have a lot of fun today and a lot of stories to tell. I want to remind you, this podcast is brought to you in part by the Buckeye Karting Challenge, Ohio's karting championship. The next event is Sunday, September 27th at Circleville Raceway Park with practice on Saturday the 26th. For those of you that have not raced in the series this season, use promo code RK and receive a $5 discount from your entry fee. The podcast is also brought, in part, brought to you in part by Lori Beale Photography, your expert in motorsports photography. Her passion is sports, specifically motorsports, but also enjoys travel, concert, and night photography. Check Lori's website at loribealphotography.com. Mm-hmm. That's L-O-R-I-B-I-E-H-L-photography.com. And use promo code RACINGWITHRK and receive a 10% discount on orders for first-time customers. Well, as I said earlier, we've got Lynn Haddock on here with us. And when you talk about karting, you won't talk very long until the name Lynn Haddock comes up. He's been a championship driver, a world champion tuner. He's been one of the top engine builders in the country. He's helped run organizations. Now he's heavily involved in vintage karting. Uh, Lynn, I'm real excited about having you on the show. Welcome.
1: Glad to be here. Appreciate you inviting me.
0: So, Lynn, let's, uh, there's so much to talk about, but let's take it from the beginning. Uh, share with us how you were introduced to carding.
1: Well, it was quite by accident. My dad and I were riding around one Saturday afternoon, and my dad was a big baseball fan. So he happened to notice over in this field that there was a gathering of people, and he thought, well, we're having a baseball game. So, of course, we had to go investigate, and turns out, we were having the first cart uh, gathering at a new track that they had just paved. And, uh, turned out, you know, we were one of the first ones that ever come upon the place. I mean, there was nothing there, but a ribbon of asphalt, no fencing, no grandstands, no nothing. So we kind of got in on the ground floor of that whole deal. And that's basically how we discovered carting. Um, we had had a fun cart before that, but as far as organized carting, that was our first, uh, first experience.
0: What, what year would this have been, Len?
1: Excuse me? What
0: year would this have been?
1: That would have been 1958.
0: 1958. We actually, um,
1: wow. Yeah, we actually uh, had a cart that was purchased that year. Uh, Somewhere or another, I had discovered carting through uh, probably, uh, probably a magazine of some sort, but I'd seen go karts and I'd ask my dad about one and we'd actually built a little wooden guy where you steered it with ropes in your feet, <laughs> just pushed it around. Well, he had a real nice lawnmower that you put in gear and it'd take off. Well, he came home one day and I disassembled the lawnmower, put the motor over on my go-kart.
2: It nice. didn't
1: make him, it didn't make him very happy, but he, no. uh, he basically said, well, if you'll put my lawnmower back together where I can mow the grass, we'll find you a go-kart.
2: <laughs> so we,
1: uh, you know, we did that and we, found a you know a little four-stroke single-wheel pull go-kart and we bought that and we were having that you know in parking lots and on closed streets and in the yard and whatnot when we actually discovered uh, the rebel kart track which is the one i alluded to earlier
0: and where was the rebel kart track
1: actually in rossville georgia it's uh it's right beside chattanooga it's like a suburb of chattanooga chattanooga and georgia borderline each other so it it was actually about three miles from where where we actually lived, even though it was over in the next state.
0: So you ran a lot of your early races. Your early career was at the Rebel Kart Track.
1: Well, yeah, we did. And the, and the good part about it, in that era, we actually had three go-kart tracks. We had two right here in Chattanooga, and we had one in Cleveland, Tennessee, which was about 20 miles up the road. And – I was able to actually race three times a week. We raced on Friday night, Saturday night, and then on Sunday afternoon at three different places, all within a 20-mile radius of where we live. So from that standpoint, you know, I had uh, I had a lot of track availability, which, you know, as we know, that turned into be a very good thing in the long haul.
0: Do, do you remember your first win?
1: No, I do not. I actually do not. I, I'm sure it was at the Rebel Kart Track because that's where we did most of our racing. Although it could have been at Cleveland. We raced yeah. uh, We raced a lot at Cleveland too. Uh, my, first, uh, my first actual race was well, I won't get into my first actual race unless you want to later but my first actual <laughs> race on a kart track was um, we had taken cart out to the rebel because we always went and practiced, but because of an agreement with my mom, I was not allowed to race so we would go out and practice with everybody and then when it come time for the actual racing, we put the car in the back of the station wagon climb up in the grandstands and watch so what happened when one, uh, one Sunday or one Saturday night actually um, they were short on carts because there was a big race somewhere, and a lot of the guys had traveled to that and they were short on carts so they came came to my dad and said, hey, why don't you just put him in the rear and let him just ride around, you know, let him ride around and uh, kind of help us make, make the thing look a little better. So my dad decided, okay, what's the harm in that?
0: That was all well and
1: good. I didn't win, of course, but, I, you know, I rode around, didn't cause any problems. Well, one of the little busybody ladies at the track couldn't wait to call my mother and tell her just how oh, well I had, I had done in the races. <laughs> well, me and, pops, me and Pops were in the doghouse for a little while on that. Yeah. But um, that was actually my first, you know, official race on a track. I had another race <laughs> and this was actually the very first go-kart race. We used to go to Ultawa, Tennessee, which is actually where I'm living now. Uh, it's where my dad was from, and we used to go to the high school there and ride the cart on uh on the baseball field, right around the bases. So we were out there one day, and this this pack of fellas were over here, and uh, one of them came over to my dad and said, hey, my buddy here would like to uh, race your son on that go-kart. And Pop said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, my man here says he can outrun your son from home plate to second base. Here we go. (laughs) So Pop says, like, well, uh, okay, that'd be okay. So, of course, now the money's – flowing from these fellows over here and uh like they, they make it a big deal out of this thing so we line up and me and the me and the little guy and we're sitting there at home plate and had one of his buddies go out to the uh pitcher's mound and i think that might have been the first time that anybody did the flag drop thing that you see on tv now <laughs>
0: right right
1: he had uh you know he pointed to me and pointed to the guy and put his hands up and down we went Of course, he got out of the way. Well, here we went. Well, this guy smoked me pretty good to home plate, but I about turned him around. I passed him so fast before we got to second base. (laughs) So that was actually my very first go-kart race.
0: So your first go-kart race was on a dirt track?
1: (laughs) On a dirt track. It was.
0: was. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. It was. Do you remember the first engine you built for somebody else?
1: No, I don't remember the particulars of the first engine I built from somebody else, but I do remember how I arrived at that place. Okay. Uh, By the time, you know, we we had this Putnik four-stroke cart, then we graduated to a simplex cart with a 510 West Bend, which also was a single-wheel pull thing. Well, the next one we got was a 60 or 61 A-bone with a Mach 6, and back then, they had what they call the A Super Junior class. Well, we had this fella who we'd made, made the acquaintance at the Rebel Car Track who, you know, we didn't know anything about this stuff. You know, my dad was pretty mechanically inclined, but, you know, he could, he could change tires and wheels and stuff and work on the car, but he didn't know anything about the engine. So we had this fella we'd met, and uh, he took care of the motor for us. And the problem was he also had a stock car. Well, when the stock car needed work, my go-kart didn't get worked on. And we had a problem with the ignition, and the thing wouldn't, it was popping and cracking, and it wouldn't run, and so we needed to take it over to him, and he was not available because the stock car had the motor out of it. He was trying to get ready to go, so it was, you know, well, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not going to be able to work on it this week. We'll try to get to it next week. Of course, by now... I'm ragging on Dad, hey, I can fix it. I've watched him. I know what he's going to do. I there you go. It. Yeah. So my dad says, well, you know, it ain't running now. It ain't likely you're going to hurt it, so go right ahead. So I went right ahead. The thing ran better than it ever run before, <laughs> and that was, the, that was the last time that anyone ever worked on one of my engines was, you know, when I took that little project on. And, of course, the and, thing ran appreciably better than what it had been running, and everybody's like, well, what'd you do to it? What'd you do to it? And it kind of came out that, well, we kind of changed the mechanics. The kid's working on it now instead yeah. of, instead of uh, Marvin, who was the guy's name. And then one thing led to another. Well, hey, you know, can I bring mine over and let you there work you on it? Yeah. Well, next thing you know, I've got, a, I've got a pretty good little business going in Pop's basement. And that evolved into, well, we can't get around in here for the go-karts and motors and mom needs to wash clothes so we'll we'll remodel the garage and add a bay to it and put you wow. out there which we did and then of course that led down the road to building another building solely for my business at that point uh, I actually end up incorporating I think it was in 1972 uh, when I was 22 years old but I had already moved, you know, into a, a, a bigger place and, you know, had, right. a, had a full-blown business. Of course, I was still going to school, but, I mean, it was one of them deals where all my homework had to get done while I was at school, because when I came home, I was full-blown right. into the go-kart thing. And By then, you know, I had people sending me stuff, and, you know, it kind of took off pretty quick after that.
0: And Haddock Limited was formed.
1: Yep, yeah, Haddock Limited was formed, pretty much. That's awesome. Like I say, That's we, awesome. Uh, I started out just as a separate ledger page in my parents uh termite and pest control business, but it got to the point where it was creating some problems for them, uh and the liability factor, you know. So we decided the best thing to do was take it out and incorporate it so it would shield us from any possible uh lawsuit business and right. get that bit of profit out of their thing. Because it was, you know, causing them some tax problems that they weren't causing. I was causing. So
0: exactly, we just pulled yeah. it
1: out and pulled it out and incorporated and uh, went on down the road from there. Good deal.
0: Well, you mentioned pops, and as I told you the other day, I, I want to talk about pops because I want to tell you something. In my opinion, he was the greatest karting fan that I ever met. When I would go to the track it didn't matter what he was doing or what i was doing but if he was 50 feet from me he would come over with a big smile on his face and say hey randy how you doing and it's like man it you know it's not such a bad day pops came and said hi to me had that big grin on his face tell me a little bit about your memories of you and your dad and and how it evolved from obviously him being involved hands on to being your biggest fan
1: well it, it it evolved exactly as you said as soon as as soon as it was discovered i guess that i could work on this stuff he pretty much kind of backed up and took a back seat you know uh obviously at that point in time i couldn't i didn't have a driver's license so he became the he became the vehicle to get me to and from the races and of course uh provided a fair amount of the money at that time because i wasn't you know i wasn't making enough to run around all over three or four or five states racing and everything. So he contributed, you know, a lot monetarily, but uh, he backed up as far as doing any of the work and turned it 100% over to me. And uh, you're right, he was he was definitely my biggest fan, but he was a true lover of racing. I remember even before the karting days, when I was four or five years old, we used to uh, we used to go to these movies. Back then there was a lot of stock car movies. Uh, because, you know, stock car racing was pretty exciting. Somebody was always flipping out of the joint. Right. There's a lot of old, older movies in the 50s about stock car racing in the, you know, NASCAR infancy days. So, Pop was a genuine race fan even before the go kart thing. And, of course, when I came along and I was racing and we had made friends that were racing, then he became a huge karting fan. And, and as we traveled, he met more people and you know he just became a fixture at a lot of the tracks and like you said he knew a lot of people and he was always very cordial always took time and i'm glad that he wasn't involved in doing a whole lot of stuff on my racing stuff because it gave him time you know to do that side of it which he really loved the other good thing was uh he was able to retire from the termite and pest control business you know so he was able to travel you know, when I when I wanted to go or needed to go, he was able to get away in most cases. So that that worked out well too, the timing of that whole thing. But he uh he was a true he was a he may have been the biggest fan of go kart racing that I ever knew. That's for sure. I, certainly I, certainly my biggest fan.
0: I would stand behind that to this day. I, I I really believe that. And and it wasn't just that he was a fan of the sport, but as you said, he was a fan of the people too and people loved him. It was just they might like Lynn Haddock, they might hate Lynn Haddock, and I mean that respectfully, but you know you know what I'm talking about, but I'll tell you sure. what, when it came to pops, everybody loved pops.
1: Oh, but absolutely, yeah. and, and the thing is, pop would pop would sit there in that chair with his stopwatches and he could tell you just about everything about everybody. I mean, if yeah. somebody wanted to know somebody wanted to know how this one was doing or how that one was doing, they could go ask Pop and if he didn't have the answer for you in 20 minutes, he would have the answer for you. Yeah. He followed, right. he did not just follow me. He followed everybody.
0: Oh, I believe and it.
1: He, he pretty much, uh, he was kind of a wealth of information strictly because he was sitting at that fence with the watches paying attention.
0: Yeah. He, he was your uh, telemetry before you had telemetry.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So
0: if I said to you, Lynn, tell me what your two greatest victories were, what would come to mind?
1: Oh, gee, that's, that's a, uh, Having drove these silly things for 40 years, that's a tough one. Uh, obviously, there's several that, you know, several that pop out. Obviously, I, I I remember well the first national victory, which was I think it would have been 1966 uh, down in Barnesville. That was my that was the first time that we ran on the bigger track. They had just lengthened the, mm-hmm. the Barnesville track. That was their first big race. Uh, it was also my first race as a senior. I just I just rolled out of the junior class, and I I remember that race well because you know it was my first national win. Even though it was a winter national, it was a national. So that one I remember. Uh, the PKA years those were very memorable. Seventy nine, eighty. Uh, we had a we had a true national championship for the best of the best they picked out one class one weight a very short and sweet set of rules and it, it took off like a rocket ship and that was you know that was that was the top of the sport during that era and then that actually evolved into the PKA twin engine stuff which was turned into the Bridgestone uh, Pro Car Challenge stuff that we ran with the Me Stock Cars
2: Right, right and
1: winning winning two of the races that was at Long Beach, those would have to stack right up there, you know, with, with the others too. Sure. Simply because getting to run getting to run in front of that size crowd, that prestigious of a crowd, um, uh, that was that was a pretty big deal. That whole thing, you know, from about seventy seventy eight, seventy nine on through to eighty five, eighty six was a very, very uh, precious time in karting, as far as I'm concerned, because karting, karting got to run in front of some pretty big crowds. We we were able to run on Saturday before the NASCAR races. Actually, we ran right before what was called the, uh, I think it was the Bush races back right. then. It was the yep. It was the Saturday race, you know. Yep. Prelude, and we always got to run right before them. So I mean, we were we were running to. Packed houses mm-hmm. with go karts, which back then that was kind of unheard of. I mean,
0: right, and, and we we, had roll, jump- we
1: roll from you know we roll from sprint races where you had spectators that came to the car track. We roll from that into big places like Atlanta and Rockingham and Charlotte and things where we're you know we're talking hundred thousand spectators. That right. was huge. That was and huge. then
0: and then we you were up at Cleveland for a couple of years too, right?
1: Yes, we ran ran on uh, I think it's called Burke Burke, Burke. Airport. Berkeley yep, Front Airport, yeah. You and Scott you put go. on a, a
0: good race up yep. there, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, we ran with, we ran there with the Indy cars. We ran yep. at uh, yep. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. See, it was Atlanta, Charlotte, Brainerd, Brainerd. Yeah. Uh, we ran at Watkins Glen with Formula One. Mm-hmm. That's right. At, yeah. We ran four or five times at Long Beach. Hmm. Um. We ran at uh, a half mile track out on the west coast called Mesa Marin. Mm-hmm. that place packed them in on saturday night uh we ran at rockingham uh, and all of these places we were running basically sideshow for big car races which is what put the fans in the thing but it was a it was a spectacular thing for us a bunch of go carters because we never get to run in front of that kind of a crowd exactly and it was the and it was a spectacular thing for the sport of karting itself yeah i agree um uh-huh. uh, that that uh that that opened a lot of people's eyes to cart racing. I think back in those days.
0: I would agree. Yeah. How about some of the toughest drivers you ever had to race against?
1: Well, obviously, over the years, there's been a lot of tough ones uh, because I was uh, because I was of mind to you know I got this thing in my brain back back in the IKF heydays when they had. Uh, these different divisions of carding, I wanted to be the first one to score expert status, which means you had to win two national championships. I wanted to be the one who attained expert status in all five of the disciplines we had back then. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: For that reason, I got to run against the top guys from all the disciplines. I mean, obviously we we all hear about the asphalt sprint guys You always hear about the road race guys. You don't always know about the the guys that run, you know, back then, two strokes on dirt, four strokes on dirt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's top, very talented drivers running in those divisions that you've never heard of before, okay? Um, Obviously, on the sprint side, Kyle Atkins, of course, comes to mind. Mark Dismore comes to mind. Those are probably if not the two toughest, two of the toughest that uh, I ever had to race against. I uh, had all the respect in the world for Kyle. Uh, and we, you know, we bent been a lot of parts, but we respected each other. <laughs> Absolutely. We didn't drive each other dirty. We drove each yep. other very, very hard. It was a different era back then. We didn't have all the penalty system. We didn't have yeah. the bumper systems. We didn't have all this plastic crap hung on the go-kart and you know a lot of things got taken care of between the drivers exactly you you just pretty much knew if you did Kyle wrong next race you were going to get it back and after a while you got tired of tearing each other's shit up so you quit doing it and you moved on down the road exactly yeah but there's there's been uh there's been a whole slew of really good talented guys I mean back in the Back in the p k days, I could name you fifteen guys yeah that that had a chance to win on any given weekend you know i mean the the talent level was just unbelievable back then
2: and then, and then when you
1: went to the dirt track and you went to the road race track, it was the same thing I mean exactly. you have really, really talented people in all of these different disciplines and i I was very fortunate that I got exposed to all of it strictly because you know I jumped in and did it. What, where a lot of people would run one or two things and they never would venture out I, I took it upon myself to try to go and uh, experience all of it right. like my my last race was actually I think it was in 1998 at a dirt track out in Newton, Iowa right down the road from the famous Knoxville uh, sprint car track uh, we we had uh, we had decided to try to win two Duffies in the in the dirt two stroke arena and that was that was you know that was the last time I got you know I went there got it done and then that said okay and that was it. everything I wanted to it's time to uh time to move on.
0: Twenty two years ago.
1: Man, oh man. Yeah I think it was ninety eight pretty sure that's when it was.
0: Wow that's awesome. Uh, So Lake Speed goes to I guess it was Silverstone right where Lake went? For the world championships?
1: No. Uh we Lamont. Where do you win we at? We actually we actually won in Lamont.
2: Okay, oh
1: and you ask about memorable wins. That one ranks right up there, even though I was not sitting in the seat.
0: Right. And let me and let me I, before you tell that story story, let me just lay the groundwork here. Everybody talks about we have we have a one true world carting champion it's Lake Speed and I thought it was Silverstone. It was at the Le Mans carting circuit in 76 Lynn, something like that, 77? 78. 78. Some of you may know, but maybe not all of you know, that the brains of the outfit, and I mean that a little tongue in cheek, but the man behind the scenes, the tuner, the guy that found the setup and helped Lake get to Victory Lane was none other than the man on the call today, Lynn Haddock. So Lynn, go ahead and tell your story about about Lake and the World Championship.
1: Well, and that's why that race, you know, you asked me about races I remember, that one has to rank right up there in the top three or four also, even though I was not sitting in the seat. Um, We in 73, Lake and I, for whatever reason, decided, you know, we wanted to kind of branch out. We'd both won a lot of races over here, and we keep hearing about this world championship thing, so Lake decided he was going to go take a swing at it, and he asked me would i like to go, and I said, well, sure, so... Here we go, we take we take our own equipment, or, or Lake took his own equipment. I, I went strictly just as a, a helper. I mean, it, it was it was Lake and his wife and myself. It was just the three of us. And we went, you know, shipped the go-kart over there in a big box, rent, went and rented a van, and here we go to the track. And we found out real quick that things are different over there than they were here. Long story short, we couldn't get out of our own smoke. That's <laughs> just that's just putting it very very uh plain. We were like four and a half seconds off of the fast, dive, oh, oh, which you know coming from a couple of pretty high ranking uh, American go carters, that was a pretty good blow. Yeah, you know we we had won just about everything there was to win over here, and we go over there and we just absolutely sucked. So. Along during this week, we'd actually got over there on Monday and started practicing, and we went there for a couple of days, and we met a few people. We got to meet, uh, and most of, the, most of the people we met was because of English. Very few people spoke English. We met Teddy Yip, who come and found us because we were Americans, and he spoke English, so we right, met him. Right. And uh, we met Terry Fullerton, who was British, and he spoke English. We also met a fellow by the name of Eddie Cheever, who was Italian, but he was an English-speaking, you know, English-speaking American Italian, Italian, Italian-American, whatever you want to call him. Anyway, he He come over one afternoon, I think it was Tuesday afternoon, and he says, guys, why do you guys work on the motor all the time? He said, I've never seen you change a tire, I've never seen you change an axle, never seen you do anything to the chassis you constantly are working on the motor in this thing you call a clutch which we had the only clutch there well now wait a second well you know that's how we tune this
0: thing and he goes so so everything was direct drive
1: everything except us
0: (laughs) and were you but you you were allowed to run the clutch if you wanted to oh yeah we were allowed to run the clutch okay all right go ahead
1: And, and of course since we were americans and that's what we knew we took a clutch card Which in and of itself caused a pretty good stir when we walked up there and plugged the starter (laughs) in it. it, Right. And everybody's like, what is that? Yeah. So he finally just told us, you know, I've watched you guys. There's nothing wrong with your motors. Your problem is the chassis. And we're like, well, you know, we we don't seem to, we don't, we don't have a problem with the chassis. The chassis is handling good. And he goes, do something for me. I will go get you one of my spare carts. I will bring you the chassis. I will bring you the wheels. You put your tires on my wheels. You put your motor on my cart, and you go test it. So at this point in time, we're still four seconds off the pace, kind of running out of time. So like, well, okay, we have nothing to lose. So he brought it over. We put it together. We go out. First practice session. We're two and a half seconds quicker than we were the session before. Oh my gosh!
0: Are you direct drive now, or are you clutch?
1: Now we're now we're direct drive. Okay. Okay. We still didn't make the final race. We qualified. We were much better off than we were, but we still weren't quick enough. And we crawled up in the grandstands and watched the race, and got back on there playing with our tail between our legs, and that was the end of our. 1973 world champs needless to say that kind of really got our attention and we came home and vowed that before this is over we will do better yeah in the meantime we we got hooked up with danny labello who had some friends in italy at the bm factory so then the next year we went back with danny in tow and we got equipment from BM and we ran under the BM banner. There you go. We did that. We did that for two years. Uh, I think the first year, oh, the first year we, we went back with them, we were we were a solid top ten go-kart and no one had told us don't drink the water. So come race day, Blake got a bad, bad, bad case of the green apple two steps and had to win. No. Oh my so we gosh! We didn't even get—we oh. didn't even get to race. Poisoned. <laughs> oh Poisoned. no! Exactly. <laughs> but we were top ten, solid top ten all week, so we were pretty pleased with that. Went back the next year, and I think uh, that's the year that we branched out, which turned out to be a mistake. I went. Uh, Mark Dismore went. Uh, who else? Yeah, it was me and Lake. And Mark Dismore, three of us running under the BM tent, and I think two or three other American drivers showed up. But those three were under our tent. I had starved myself to death to get down close to the weight, and I could go pretty good for about five laps. And after that, I I went from driver to passenger. Yeah. I I didn't have enough stamina that I could continue. Um, We did okay. I think Lake ended up sixth. I broke a rod in one of the mains and ended up like 12th or 13th and Mark had the same problem. He broke engines. I think he ended up about 16th or 17th. So, you know, we weren't bad out of 80, 90 go-karts but we finally after that race Lake and I sat down and we said look, if we're going to do any better we're going to have to focus a little more on the program. I can't do this because I can't get down to the weight I need to be. How about if I just, Rich, you drive, we'll do this as a two-person deal, and we'll move forward. So that's what we did. After that race, which was in France, we rolled over, because at that point in time, APCO closed. So Danny went on to work for General Electric, and we, because of that, lost our connection with the BM people in Italy. So we, through meeting People. The first two or three years, we went, we rolled over and started using Burrell carts and Burrell engines, and that's what we did for the next three years until we finally, in '78, were able to win. That's
0: awesome. But it
1: was a it was a long it was a long road of assembling the right people, the right uh, the right equipment at the right time. And it was a building block sort of deal. Every year we'd learn a little more, uh, in many cases, learn what not to do more than what to do. But we quickly learned that we were better off doing our thing. not Because it was not uncommon over there for people to come in for the world champs. And all they did was take the equipment they were given from one of the factories and aggravate the heck out of the people for information. What should we do? Tell us this, tell us that." We didn't do that after after France, when we were under the bm tent. After that, we sold out on our own. We would go there, we would get our equipment, we would pit by ourselves, do our own little thing over here. And that's, you know, that's how we ultimately were ad- added more pieces to the puzzle. And finally, you know, and, and, the way the whole thing went down in 78 was a lot of the stars had to line up right. We were running the Burrell chassis. We were running the Burrell uh, engine. But that was the year Lake uh, got a divorce. He was not going to go. He called me in about the middle of summer and said, you know, I'm not going to be able to go. And I thought about it, and I said, well, you know, we've got all this momentum. We've got this building block thing going. You know, we're going to lose a year here. So I decided I was just gonna go and hang out. I knew all the Burrell people, I knew all the people from the Army factory. I said, I'm just gonna go hang out with my notebook and my camera, take it all in, decide. And that it kinda of died right there. Well, rolls around the early part of September and late calls one day for something and I said, You know, are you gonna go do this, gonna do that? I said, No, I gotta to go to Italy next week. He goes, What? You're going? I said, yeah, I told you back in the summer I was going to go ahead. <laughs> oh, man, you kidding me. And I went, no, man, I'm going. And he said, well, damn. And then he called me back, and he says, you know, I've already, I, I told him, you know, we're not coming, so there's no equipment or anything. And I said, well, I, I, I don't care. I'm going anyway. A couple more hours go by. He calls back, said, I've changed my mind. I'm going. So... <laughs> We, we rushed to try to put pieces of the puzzle together, which by then wasn't going to happen. So finally, uh, the, the Burrell people agreed to bring us just a standard chassis, bring it to the track. Uh, the factory agreed to bring us one motor, bring it to the track. So me and Lake get on the airplane with two bags. Each of us got a motor. I got a little handful of tools and clothes and helmets. We get on the plane, go rent us a little fiat rental car, and away we go uh we got to the track and we started going everywhere we could to buy tires and we finally got enough tires that we could race and you know we got the cart, we took our motor we we took two motors, and we had one from them, so we had our three motors and you know we went all the way down where the used pit because back then they they uh they had everybody in the paddock, according to country, A, B, C, D. Well, Unistatis is way on down the line from Italy. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we
1: were we were parked down the other end of the world, didn't have a cart stand, so we found a 55-gallon drum. Uh, everywhere we'd have to take the cart, we'd have to sit it on the ground, take the spark plug out and push it because we didn't have a rolling stand. Well, <laughs> so anyway, um, that's just how we did it. And we're in line for the first round of... Uh, where you go through and check the motors and stuff in. We've got the cart sitting there and got the motors piled up in the seat there. And uh, Oscar Sala, the owner of Burrell, came, came down through there. And he goes, where is your spare cart? I said, well, we don't have a spare cart. He says, this is the world champs. You can't run without a spare cart. I said, well, we going too, because we ain't got one. That's right. So he hollers at a couple of the mechanics, and they run and get a spare chassis.
2: Wow. Just to frame.
1: Put this chassis on. We go through. They tagged it, you know, with our number and everything, and they took it and put it back in the Burrell thing. That was the last we ever saw of that. <laughs> um, I did understand later it got sold as the spare of the world champion. <laughs> there you go.
0: That's a good investment. <laughs> we never saw. We
1: never saw it but one time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, we went through the we went through the ABC races and all that stuff, and we ended up. Um, I don't know where we were. We were in the top top six or seven, something like that. Well, at that point in time, there were Bridgestone tires that were very hard to get, especially in Italy. And then there were special Bridgestone tires, and there were special Dunlop tires. And certain people, depending on who you were and who you knew, were able to have those specials. We just had the -the run-of-the-mill tires that we were able to buy. But we still did pretty good with them. What ultimately changed the way that things went, the top driver for Burrell, a fellow by the name of Corrado Fabi, he had a couple of crashes in in the preliminary races, and he didn't make the show. We did not have this problem, and we did make the show, and we were actually way up front in the show. Well, when he didn't make the show, we got his special tires.
0: Ooh, there you go.
1: And that changed everything. Wow. Now, now we could play in the front instead of between fifth and tenth. I mean, we, you know, we were there, we were close, but we weren't going to beat the guys that had the special stuff. It just wasn't going to happen. When, when we were able to have access to the special stuff, now we were in the game. Solid,
2: right.
1: And uh, that's that's basically what changed the fate of that race for us. Is wow, you know, once once we were on once we were on even footing with all the big players, then we were in good shape. That's
0: awesome. And
1: back then, you won. Uh, the winner was the, the, there. Was three main events. You count your best two. Um, came down to the last lap. There was uh, De Bruin and. Zorsel and lake had kind of broke away from the pack they were running one two three lake being third i mean like you could throw a blanket over all three of them went down to the last corner before the the uh flag and the front two just barely brushed each other i mean it wasn't what i would call a crash one guy went down inside and the other guy sawed him off just enough that they touched And with the direct drive, it broke their speed just enough that Lake was able to go to the inside and beat them to the flag by about a half a car.
0: Wow.
1: So we won the first main event. Second main event, he went from first to sixth to second to first to sixth to second to fourth. The whole race was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. He actually got in front. For the final time, with about three to go, and ended up winning the second race, which means it's over. He's world champ.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: But it, uh, you know, it never would have happened if we hadn't, have, you know, been fortunate enough to get the tires, you yeah. know, right at the last minute. But I, I I'll never that... forget. I was, uh, I was standing at the scales, waiting for him to, you know, get through the crowd and everything to, uh, you know, for the weight after the race and. Here comes Bruno Garana down through the crowd. And, oh
0: yeah, I remember him.
1: Well, you remember he was a big man with a big, big coarse, big, yep. coarse voice. I mean, he could have played the Godfather easily.
0: I think he might have Probably. been a Godfather. <laughs>
1: well, he could have been.
0: Yeah. But
1: anyway, he was—he was kind of coming down through the crowd. Here comes this big monster of a man through the crowd. And he gets down to me and he says, "Haddock, I don't believe two tourists win the world championship. Two tourists. <laughs>
2: As... And he and,
1: he, and he laid this on because, you know we just showed up. Yep. With a we just showed up with a little rental car and a few pieces and amassed everything we needed and kind of yeah. went down here and went on our own and did our own thing and. We 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 defied the system more or less.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: But that's pretty, that's we cool. you know we had a lot of help along the way, and like yeah. I said, the thing with the tires is what really changed it. I mean, it, it, we would not have won had it not been for that. Yeah, we'd have probably still been fifth or sixth or top ten wow. or something like that. But that, that's that changed everything, and of course, you know, the rest is, is history. Well, yeah, and and
0: I think the the big thing there too, Lynn, is the fact that you guys started that several years before, which I didn't realize, and you just, you stuck with it. You didn't give up. You kept learning, and, 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 uh, you know, you kind of, it sounds like you kind of roped uh, Lake back into saying, well, heck, if you're going, I'm going, and, man, the rest is yeah. history, but that's, that's pretty well, true. Well, uh,
1: uh, you know, we went over in 73, two cocky American Party champions, <laughs> right, right. basically, you know, we're going to go over there and show you yeah. these- Guys, how yep. it's done, and we come back totally demoralized,
0: tail between your legs. Yep.
1: That's right. Yes, sir. That was a that was a pretty big hit to two yep. pretty big egos at that yep. point in time. Yeah. And so we just, you know, it, we did it a couple of more years in different ways, and finally, after going back two more times, we finally just said, "Okay, if we're going to do any better than what we're doing right now. We're going to have to change this." And that's when exactly. I said, "Okay, I'm done driving. Let's let's uh, yep. turn this into a." T- two person thing here and and see see what that does. Yeah, and from there, every year we got a little better. I think we right. placed uh I think he placed fourth maybe twice after that before he mm-hmm. won. Yeah, uh, he pretty never pretty was fair. on the podium, but I think he was fourth two different times. I don't yeah. I remember. It's been a day or two. But at that's any rate, sweet. it uh it was it was um it was a story that played out over six or seven years.
0: Exactly. And, you know,
1: uh, he and I, you know, we both lived down here in the south. He was, he was from Jackson. We would actually go places on weekends. We'd meet in Memphis or we'd meet in Paducah, Kentucky, and we would race each other
2: right?
1: <laughs> yeah. with, with, with this direct drive stuff. And when we bought okay. equipment. Yeah. You know, we bought the European equipment and started. Yeah. I started working on the motors, learning what to do and what not to do. Uh, there for for a little while, Lamello was involved, and uh, you know we would actually go to these places and spar against each other to try to help the program.
2: Yeah, but it, it was worked. not a
1: it was not a deal where we just loaded up went and went race. No, one year. It, it, oh heck no. You know after after we got our butts kicked that first time, we were bound and determined to do better.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Well, there's a race I remember, Lynn, back when I was back in the day when I was racing down to Barnesville. And it was, I think, if I remember right, they run the nationals on, like, Saturday and Sunday, and then there would be a pro race on Monday. Does that sound about right?
1: Oh, I don't know. It was done different ways. A lot yeah. of times they'd have the pro race the weekend before on Sunday, and then we'd do the whole national you know. event deal for the week Everybody, later. But it, 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 was, it, was it was an off, done,
0: it was an off yeah, day. Done I know different. that.
1: It was an off yeah. day. That
0: there was, there was the only thing going on that day. And, yeah. and it, was, it was a pro race, a PK race. But, but the class of the field was you and Mark Dismore. And I remember it like it was yesterday, man. You guys took off and you about, put about a half straight away on the field. Mark was leading and you were right on his bumper. And every lap he'd come down to front straight and leave the inside wide open. And I'm watching this. I'm thinking, well, he, if Lynn's going to make a move, he's going to have to do it with two to go because there's no way Mark's going to leave that open on the last lap. He's going to go low and make Lynn do a crossover. And he's probably just going to plant the break and hopefully hold the line. Well, sure enough, they come down for the white flag. He takes that same line and leaves it open. And then what happened?
1: Well, I dive bombed him, and <laughs> we arrived at the corner dead even wheel to wheel. And we touched, and I had the inside, and I beat him. You know, yep. I beat him down the back chute, and I won the race. Of course, Big Diz was not at all happy. No, he was not. not.
2: <laughs> he was, he not. was not
1: happy at all. And after a couple hours, we finally, you know, the smoke finally cleared, and uh, we were talking again. He actually, we we went that evening back to Chattanooga, three hours up the road, and we're uh, having dinner at, at, you know, at my parents' house. My, you know, my mom, my mom was real big when anybody was coming through. She'd throw a big spread. So you know, we called her and said, "Hey, I got Dismore and all his crew here. We're going to come back to Chattanooga." And She said, "Okay, I'll have dinner ready." Well. We got there, she had a big spread going. That's awesome. You know, we, we you know, four or five hours earlier, Big Diz wanted to kill me, and five or six <laughs> hours later we were having a few drinks and everybody was yep. everybody was good. And if yeah. I'm not mistaken, and, and you know, it was not uncommon that they would stop in Chattanooga when we when they were coming south, going to Daytona or to Barnes and so on. I might be wrong on this, but I know for a fact one of the trips, and it could have easily been that trip. We're sitting there having dinner, and the phone rings, and it was somebody from Greenfield calling, wanting to talk to Big Diz to tell him that Comet Cart Sale just burned to the ground.
0: Oh, oh my gosh!
1: I, I think it was that race that we're talking about. Wow! Although it could have been, it could have been some other time. I just know that I, I, I know that after this thing you're talking about, we went. You know, we buried the hatchet, went back and had dinner at my house. I think maybe it was the same race that we're talking about that he got advised that the place burning down. Although it could have been another time that he was there because they, you know, they came, yeah. they came by yeah. visited wow. pretty often. But yeah, yeah it was um, you know, it was just one of them things and, and I did what I had to do, he did what he had to do. We bumped and rubbed a little bit and yep. it came out like it did. It could just as easily been 180 degrees the other way sure it it could have been me he could have thrown down on me and it could have been him yeah exactly that's just just the way we raced back then i mean it was and and, i would never i would never take anybody out on on purpose to win a race and and they didn't they wouldn't either i mean people that did that did not survive back then
0: they they didn't and and i it's funny you say that because i i watch a lot of races with you with kyle with mark uh, somewhere along the way, I raced against all of you here, or there, and but but watching you, I never ever saw you take somebody out. But you won a lot of races because you just did it the right way, and there was that respect. Like man, don't screw with Haddock; you'll
1: regret it. You know, he'll run well, you clean. The thing, is, the thing is now, I'm not saying I'm not saying the drivers were better back then than they are now. I mean, we're all we're all still the same humans. But I have to think the training that was involved back then is much better than now. I would agree. You, you, you had to be coldly calculated and know what you were doing to throw it up inside of
2: something. <laughs> That's right.
1: Okay? Yep. If, it, if you didn't get it right... Either you were going over him or he was coming over you.
0: Yep, you're exactly right. So
1: we we had to learn to race close. I mean, you had to Mm -hmm. learn to race in front of you and also with that peripheral vision, looking down to see where that wheel was that was right beside you. I mean, you could put your hand out and touch the guy's wheel. We don't have that training ground now. The body work, for that but, reason, I don't believe we have as as good a drivers now. And it's not it's not that we were special or we were you know better or anything like that. We had a better training program.
0: And I think the body work forgives you now. You can you can get in too deep and the body work will will prevent you from get having something ugly happen.
1: I personally think the body work has done more to
0: produce bad drivers than anything in the sport. Well, there's not – and this isn't against anybody because there's some great drivers out there for sure. But I don't think – I don't think that respect is there anymore because they know if you get in too deep, you'll just bang a little bit and you keep on going. Before, if you get in too deep, you might go for a ride whether you like it or not.
1: I I, I, kind of think that the top guys now would have still been the top guys back then. Agreed. I just just think they would have been better at it.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Because yeah. I think the training ground was a lot better back then because you had to do certain things or you end <laughs> up on your head. Right, exactly.
0: And you learned yeah. not to do it again.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you learn to do it and do it right. Yeah. And, you know, the ones that had the talent to do it were the guys that won races and That's the right. ones that couldn't do it got left yep. by the wayside. Right but so I mean, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that we were superhuman or anything back then. I think we just had a better school to go to.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that's I think that's a uh, you described that well. So a few weeks ago, I'm at Camden, and here you are with your vintage team down at Camden, and and the question just came to my mind a few days ago, and I wanted to ask you: Are we ever going to see you at one of these events, hopping a go kart at these vintage events? You know, I
1: went I, when I quit in '98. I started. Uh, I started wrenching for other people. We had a mechanics race up in New Jersey. You know, I think it must have been around 2004, 2005. And they they had all these rental carts out there with these big Hondas on them. You know, they were pretty spiffy, pretty spiffy. I mean, it wasn't you know, it wasn't a five horse putt-putt thing. These things are 810 right. horse, and they, you know they got around there pretty good. But had all this plastic bodywork and all that stuff on there. And the the program was going to be that. You know, we're going to line up, and then we're going to go out and run a couple laps in line, and they're going to throw the green, and then we're going to go. We drew for position. Well, the race didn't go down like that. The race started <laughs> as soon as the as soon as they waved to go onto the track. The race started right then.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. And I'm, you know, I'm like tenth. Tenth or twelve, something like that. and You know, it's starting. You know, people are passing me, passing me. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are you doing? So I'm like, well, you know, it's how we're going to do. So here I go, and I start passing people. It didn't take me a couple laps to realize that all this plastic I got around me, man, I'm invincible.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: And I started passing people, and people went flying off, and this and that, and you know, when it was all said and done, I came back in. And I came to the realization that, you know, you were racing like you raced before without a brain. and (laughs) You you could have easily got yourself hurt. I said right then, you know, I'm done. I'm just not going to drive anymore. Uh, Every reason that I retired for is still valid. Yep. I really don't have anything else to prove. That's right. Uh, And honestly most people won't believe this or don't believe this. The driving part was never my big deal. I did it because it made the package better uh-huh. rather than me wrench on the stuff, which was my first joy and going through a driver, trying to understand what it needed or didn't need and this and that. It was a whole lot easier to do it myself. Yep. And I ended up being fairly successful with it, but, the the sheer joy of the sport was always from the technical side, not the driving side. Right. If I right. won the race, okay, yeah, he's a good driver. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But the joy came from the fact that I prepared the equipment and kicked everybody fast. Yeah, exactly. Not not that I outdrove somebody. Yeah, that's a good point. It was it was it was very convenient for me to just do it myself, and I ended up you know doing a pretty good job with it, but. The big joy was always, you know, always the, the technical side of preparing the equipment.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So I always like to do in these podcasts a section I call lost kart tracks, where there's places you used to race at that aren't there anymore, or maybe parts of a racetrack that aren't there anymore. And I got a few here I want to mention. Just tell me what comes to mind. Uh, Memphis was right right down the street from you, so to speak. You raced there a few times. Tell me, Give me a memory of the Memphis car track.
1: Well, Memphis was, was, you know, as you said, it wasn't right down the street. It's on the other end of Tennessee. Yeah,
2: right. I understand. About six
1: hours away, but we always, you know, because it was part of the Tennessee state deal and this and that. Right. We always raced there. A lady by the name of Sarah Tucker, who was one of the IKF board ladies, board members, she she put on a tremendous race. We had the Cotton Carnival there every year, Uh which was a real big deal. And you know, it was a very nice racetrack. We had a couple of uh couple of national IKF events there. We had a couple mm-hmm. of WK events yep. there. Yep. uh it was uh you know, it was one of the one of what you would consider, you know, national level track. And uh it's not there at all anymore. Uh, yeah. Buddy Russ was by there not long ago and I forget what's out there now. There's just little remnants of the track where you can see where it was, but
2: yeah. there's buildings
1: and you know all, right. all all other stuff out there. Yeah. Um another one that <laughs> another one that comes to mind we just left, which was Camden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's still there, but it's not still there like it once was. No, it's not. <laughs> it's totally different. Um uh, that was kind of a funny story about how the tracks in Ohio um, come come into being. First time I ever went to a car track that had a Monza turn was Mickey Rupp's track in Mansfield. Yeah,
0: one of my favorite places. Yeah, Dark Heart oh, Speedway.
1: Yeah, yeah, Dark Kart was one of my favorite places too. Yeah. But it had this Monza. Well, the next guy who decided I'm going to put a Monza in, I think, was your dad.
0: It was. So and you, we were gonna make it
1: bigger. We were gonna make it a little bigger and yeah, a little absolutely. and you know yeah. we're gonna we gonna we're gonna warn up.
2: That's right. The,
1: and there again, that track one of the one of the big national level tracks. Oh yeah. Then Camden come along and they pretty much throw throw down on the Monza thing. It I'll show you you want a
0: Monza yeah. You want a Monza, oh, I'll man. show you Monza.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gary decided he was gonna show you how to do a Monza. He did too. <laughs> and I don't know how they kept the paving trucks up because it's all oh, you can do gosh. to walk up. Oh my gosh. That the
0: problem with those
1: the problem with those types of tracks, the Monza type tracks they were actually great in their time. Yep. They were antiquated by the tires. Yeah. The tires got so good that the speed and the Gs and everything going around those turns with the modern day tires was just way more than the body and the chassis could handle. You were constantly right. breaking stuff, flexing the chassis, chains coming off, motor mounts breaking, everything that could break. Yep was being overstressed by those types of turns. That's why I'm sure that's why the one in Camden disappeared.
2: Yeah. And, uh, I think and the,
1: you know, they've done a, they've done a, a totally different kind of racetrack. The track that's there now is, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's a great racetrack as it is now. It's just not like it was before.
0: No, no. And I think <laughs> but
1: the, the chassis are different. The tires are different. Nothing right. is different. You know, Everything correct. has to be period correct. Uh, the the Monza-type turns are no longer period correct.
0: Exactly. And and the other, the other trouble with the Monza turns was that they're great when you do them the first time if you get it right. But when it yeah. comes time to patch it because there's a few bumps, it's not yeah. a simple fix. And unless you want to repave the whole thing and do it right, it's not going to be smooth anymore, ever. And a rough yeah. Monza <laughs> is like almost – you know, like you, you can't even get around it really without just hanging on. You
1: know. Well, so. and and again, the tires now have created such G forces that it's bad enough when they're flat. You throw in a, you throw in a bit of a bank. Exactly. Now the G G forces of the carts are more than the ribs can stand. Exactly. You know, yeah. You know, the last the last time or two that I ran uh, ran at uh, your dad's track, which was you know Atkins later on. And then yep. also the one in Batavia, you had a pretty good little monster there. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was, it was just a deal where you just had to go down there and grit your teeth. It hurt so bad. <laughs> right.
0: Right. So and hope it, you come out, hope uh, you come out the other end.
1: <laughs> well, and then you start questioning yourself. You say, you know, I'm doing this go-kart racing because it's fun. Yeah. This is not fun. No. And,
0: and I, I learned something. Uh, actually when I was racing, I think, Tackett's bought the track from us and they went in and put concrete in and I was still racing back then. And I, and I learned a valuable lesson that bruised ribs actually hurt worse than broken ribs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and I came out of there Oh, man, I got a broken rib and I went and had it actually, no, they're just bruised. Well, it hurts really bad. Yeah. You should have broken it. It's not as bad if you break it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, another thing i like to talk about because I don't think that the people in the hall of fame get, the gratification they deserve is I tried to pick out a few people that I know had an impact on your life and you just share maybe a story about each of them. And I know somebody who was really close to you in it, and arguably is one of the founders of our sport, Duffy Livingstone.
1: Well, Duffy, um, Duffy definitely was in on the ground floor of this sport. Matter of fact, I've got, I've actually got a picture about 20 feet from where I'm sitting right now in my shop of uh, the first cart race in the, uh, in the parking lot there.
0: at uh, The Rose Bowl,
1: right? No, it wasn't the Rose Bowl. It was, uh, I, think, I can't think of the name of it.
0: Me, uh, there was a zoo a zoo's out there in Oxnard. And- yeah,
1: hang on a minute. I'll just walk back here and look at it. Um, Eastland Shopping Center in Covina.
0: Okay. <laughs> So it's a, anyway, it's needless a to
1: say Duffy Duffy was in on the ground floor of this whole yeah. thing. Well Duffy um, you know Duffy started the the, the very first court manufacturing business and he actually right. Right. registered that name heart yep. and this and that. Mm-hmm. He did that for five or six years until, you know, the, the, the balloon went up and then it started down. Well after that he went down into uh Orange County and opened a specialty welding shop. Uh, he, he, he did, uh, he did welding on very exotic stuff. He had pressurized cabinets and this and that. It's one of them deals where if you had something and nobody could weld it, you take it to Duffy.
2: Right.
1: He did that until he actually retired and he moved to Oregon, uh, because he had family and his wife had family up there. Well, then he woke up one day and looked around and all the relatives were dead and gone except the two of them. Well, she had a son who had left California via Texas, and it ended up here in Chattanooga.
2: Oh, and he did. They,
1: they moved over here because they had a real big house with an apartment down below. So they moved over here, and that's actually where he, you know, he finished out his life here in the, in my little town here in Loodle, all right outside Chattanooga.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And he, um, you
1: know, we 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 were... Very good friends even before he came here because we had served on the IKF board uh-huh. together. And, and uh, then when he moved here, you know, we became even closer because I'd, I'd go get him and we'd go do this and that and the other. That's uh, cool. Went, went to a few vintage races.
2: Right. Anyway,
1: when he passed away, I, I ended up with a lot of his stuff here in the shop. Uh, okay. You know, memorabilia. From from the old karting days, I've, oh, nice. I've still got all the I've still got all the old advertising stuff for wow. when he started Go Kart Club of America, and uh, he was quite a character. He came through, you know, came through World War II, and uh, he had some pretty good stories to tell about that. Uh, he was he was quite the storyteller. He and I went to uh, the vintage race at Newcastle one year, five or six years ago, and it's about a six or seven hour ride. And, you know, we're telling stories all the way there. We drive seven hours, pulled into the parking lot, and he had just started a big tale. and we sat there for twenty more minutes before we ever got out of the car <laughs> for him to for him to finish the story. I
0: believe it. That's a, yeah. But he was that's... quite
1: a character and he uh you know, he came up he came up with uh sports car racing and uh Lake Lake Racing, they called it back in the late 40s and 50s. You know when he got out of the war and everything. So mm-hmm. never never a dull moment or lack of a story when Duffy was around.
2: Yeah. And, and
1: as and as he got older, he was he he never was a talkative guy. As he got older, he was less talkative. But once you got him going, you just needed to sit quietly and listen because he had plenty to say.
0: Right.
1: I, 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 I kick myself to this day that I didn't record some of the conversations that we had strictly oh, yeah. they were, they were yeah. so interesting.
0: Yeah. How about, uh, Emerson Dismore, Big Diz?
1: Well, Big Diz was quite a, he was quite a character too. Uh, again, we, we did a lot of, uh, a lot of traveling and whatnot together. He, uh, He called me one time, and he said, hey, we're going to Ontario. Would you like to come out and ride one of our carts? Of course, sure. So I went out and drove one of their carts. And then uh, before it was all said and done, he said, well, you know, we're going to go back through Las Vegas. Why don't you just drive back with us? So we did, me and Mark in the back seat and Aretha and Big Diz in the front seat. We drove to Las Vegas. Uh, They went out to a show one night. Left me and Mark to our own devices. Well, I had just turned 18, which was oh boy. legal legal drinking age. So oh boy. I, went, I went and got the beer. Well, Retha had decided it'd be a good thing to buy one of those big bags of popcorn, like they have at the movies, to eat it sure. Well we didn't we didn't eat it. So it ended up in the hotel room. It's like a half a bushel of popcorn. Well, <laughs> yeah. After a few beers, we got into the popcorn. Well, before it was over, we busted the bag, and we had popcorn all over the room. Nice. Raising all kinds of cane, wrestling like kids would do. Here comes the police. Well, uh, who bought the beer? Uh, Well, I bought the beer. I'm 18 years old. Well, yeah. good. You're the one that's going to jail for contributing to the delinquency of this <laughs> 15-year-old. <laughs> Thank the Lord, the show got over and here come Retha and Big Diz and save me from going to jail. <laughs> but uh another another time we were riding down the riding down the uh, US one there in or not US one, the road that runs in front of the Speedway, Speedway Boulevard. Right. We'd had a rain out and we went down to the local oyster bar to have a few oysters and such in the afternoon. Me and Big Diz got in the Got in the car, was heading back to the hotel, and he looks up. Here's this beautiful new Corvette. Well, we just whip in there and buy it. <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> this is big news. What can yeah, I tell you? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, he yeah. was, he was, he was quite the personality. Quite you know, personality.
0: W- one thing about him though, he, they, he and his family had such a passion for Daytona. I remember back in the day, they always gave a go kart away. A, a common enduro away at the banquet yep. every single year. I mean, they just supported that program so much. Uh, well, but,
1: and Big Diz was not unlike my dad. He was Mark's biggest fan. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he was uh, he was one hundred percent go karter Yep. Uh, the difference in his dad and my dad, his big dad, Big Diz actually drove and drove right. well. Yep. You know, on the enduro track, so. But he was Mark's biggest. I mean, they just yeah. like my my dad. They spent a lot of time running up and down oh, the yeah. road. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Mark can tell some stories too. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: How about Gary Emick?
1: Took more pleasure. I think he took more pleasure from that than he did the actual driving himself. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he was—he uh, was—he was definitely one of the innovators. I mean, they, there was a lot of things along the way that can be traced back to, you know, Gary Emick.
0: Mm-hmm. How about Junior Neal?
1: <sighs> Junior Neal. <laughs> he is. you know, they, they made quite a team. One you know, one side was the mechanical side, one side was the driving side. Junior Junior has always been an extremely fast driver. He's a little bit risky. I mean he would take risks that other people wouldn't take. Now, that's, not, that's, not, that's not really it's not really to say that he was a bad driver or a crazy driver. He would just You know, if if there was a turn down there and you were going down there with Junior, if y'all wanted to go past the turn, he was still going in and let off after you did.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. Just
1: the way Junior was.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I I was, Uh I was racing B limited at Barnesville. never forget because I've told Junior this story and he says he kind of remembers it, but I remember it like it was yesterday, but I'm at B limited like my first or second year at Barnesville running B limited. And I go to the grid and I look up and Don ships from APCOS on the pole. Ken Burdens outside. Junior's starting third and I'm starting fourth. And the first thing I said to myself is, what in the world am I even doing up here, right? <laughs> Junior walks over to me and leans, right before we we're getting in our carts, leans over and he says, follow me. That's all he said, follow me. I going oh, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to him. So they drop the green. We get into the first turn and for some reason, Don got a little wide in the corner. <laughs> okay.
1: And next know thing know that could
0: No. Next <laughs> thing I know, I'm running third behind Burden, <laughs> Junior, and then me, right? We get down into the twister and traction alley or whatever they called it. You know Ken Burden. He never missed a corner. For some reason, Miss he seven. went wide. He went wide. Yeah. Next thing <laughs> I know, I'm running second. I finished second. That worked pretty well. <laughs> yeah. That was,
1: that was, Junior junior. junior has never been one to be afraid of using the chrome button. No, 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 but Junior is definitely, uh, he's a fixture in this sport. He's been around as long as I can remember. Yeah. He, he was one of the people that would always race hard, sometimes too hard. Yeah. But always hard. But, in his day, way back when, he was considered one of the fastest drivers out there. I mean, if you yeah. just wanted to put them, put somebody in the go-kart and go out there and walk up to the fence with a stopwatch, more often than not, Junior was going to be as fast as anybody you could put in that car. Yeah, I, would, I just, would agree. He was a fast driver.
0: Yep. Well, I got one sure. more for you. Kyle Atkins.
1: King Kyle. Yeah. That, that's all I can tell you. Uh, he and I had—I don't know how many hard races. I don't think Kyle ever meant to take me out, although he did. Yeah. I don't think I've ever meant to intentionally take Kyle out, although I did. Yep. There was one time, and, and it's—it was early in our uh, time of coming across each other. He was, you know, West Coast guy. I was East Coast guy. We both ran for Faye Pearson at, at k p uhhuh, so we we show up at the Nationals, both of us running Reed open, Of course, he knew me, I knew him, but that was pretty much it. We never had run it, run hardly in it all together, right So I sat on the pole, I'm out there, got you know jumped on I jumped him on the start, we're going along about halfway through the race. Here comes Kyle down. On the inside, this is before they had curbs and Quincy. He comes down with half the go-kart in the dirt, passes me on the inside, and wins the race.
2: <laughs> well,
1: so that's how we're gonna do it. Yeah. Well, we go out right for the second heat. I jumped him on the start. I'm leading again. Same damn thing. <laughs>
2: did
1: it did it again.
2: Yeah.
1: And I'd already told Faye, I said, you know, I don't I don't I don't have any problem to get beat here, but I want to play on the racetrack. This is, this is no good playing off the track. Right. So, go out for the third heat. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Well, this time, the next corner, when he turned to make the corner, I drove right through him. <laughs> took, took him and the seat out of his bucket. Box, oh, no. Which cost us... Both, neither one of us won. Oh
0: neither geez. one of
1: us got second. <laughs> took us out. Never ever did we have any problem with each other again. Yeah. That would have been that would have been oh, that would have been nineteen seventy or something. 69, yeah. Sixty nine, seventies, when we were running bug stingers.
0: What did Kyle say when that happened? Anything to you?
1: Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. We never had a conversation about it till yeah. the day he died. Yeah. We never it just... discussed it.
0: That was just part of it, yeah. There was a mutual respect
1: there. Well, you know, I just felt like I'd been done dirty twice, and the third time was the charm. (laughs) And he knew
0: that, yeah.
1: And we never had a problem after that. Uh, Like I said, I referred to him as King Kyle. I knew if Kyle Atkins was on the track, he was going to be the one to beat.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: You know, and and for some reason, not unlike Mark Dismal, we always – Managed to find each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, He'd either wow. run me down and we'd race or I'd run him down and we'd race and that's just always how it was. We uh-huh. we ran a lot of stuff in, in the, when the, the manufacturer's cup was real big. We were both, right. you know, running the piston port, uh, not yep. piston port, control stock class. Control, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And we, we had some knockdown drag outs. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I won some and he won some and, um, uh, you know, he was he was as tough as I ever ever had to race against. Yeah, I mean, that's... He, he was just he was he was just a real hard racer. Very wow. talented, very smooth, had a certain style about him, and you know, you could just always count on Kyle being there. Yeah, he wasn't exactly. there. You know, if he wasn't there in the first part of the race, he'd be there in the last part. It yeah. just always worked out that way. Yeah, I agree. He was well, a tough one.
0: Well, Lynn, we're kind of winding down here. This has been pretty sweet. I, I, I do have one more question for you. And it's kind of a two-fold question. How's CARDI impacted your life, and how does it affect your life today?
1: Well, since it's all I've ever done, I would say that it has impacted it pretty hard. Um, I had one summer job in my life, and that summer job taught me real quick that I didn't want to work for anybody.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And, uh, you know, I started, you know, I basically started my little carting business in the basement of the of the family home, and one thing led to another, and one thing led to another, and now here I am, 70 years old, and I'm still sitting here in Haddock Limited and, to limit it, and yeah. still doing it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Not doing
1: it to the, you know, not doing it at the same level as I once did, but this is still what I do every day is – Go karts. I mean,
0: and you're and you're still enjoying, you're still enjoying it.
1: Absolutely. Um, and that's the. Important when thing. I uh, when I got out of college, you know, of course, I already had the cart business going pretty good by then. But when I got out of college, I was supposed to go to work for the Tennessee Valley Authority (TVA), mm-hmm. which was, you know, that was considered a big deal back then. And you know, I'd got i i I'd, 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 a, I'd uh, applied for and gotten a job as a mechanical engineer for them, and. The more I thought about going to work every day, eight to five, sitting behind a desk, suit and tie, the more I just started dreading it. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, why am I going to go and do something for the rest of my life that I'm dreading already and hadn't even been there? Yeah. So I made up my mind, came in and told told my parents, you know I'm not going to take this job at TVA. My mother goes, "You're not? What are you talking about? That's the job of a lifetime." And I go, "I can't do it." And I explained it, and she, well, you know, "What are you going to do?" I said, "Well, I think I'm going to open a go-kart shop." Well, she cried for about a month. <laughs> thinking that I had totally lost my mind. Right. But if I had it to do again, I would do exactly the same sure. thing as I did before. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I probably would have been better off financially had I just taken over my parents' business. They had the Terminex franchise for, for all, of, all of Hamilton County and Bradley County. And, you know, they had a very good business. You know, yeah. they had eight or ten employees, eight or ten trucks. Uh, you know, it was a going deal, and all I had to do was take it over, but there again. I had absolutely no interest in killing right. bugs the rest of my life. Right. And I, you know, I didn't really care how much money it was worth. I just couldn't I it. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I went the path I went, and I've thoroughly enjoyed going to work every day of my life. And well, I don't awesome. think there's a hell of a lot of people on this planet oh. that can say that.
0: No, they can't, Len. That's that's awesome. And and it, you're such a great story. I. I can't thank you enough you will never know how much it meant to me that you you gave me some time today. you've had some great stories and I tell you i've you know i've spent a huge part of my life in carding as well and it's you you get those friendships that they're just so important and the memories are are just as important and uh, I just man thanks thanks for hanging with me today. I really appreciate it
1: well I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed the other day at camden when you, when you you were able to bring that stone for yeah. Uh, Charlotte, up and put it back to where it really and truly belongs.
0: Yeah, yeah, that uh, not, not that
1: it didn't belong in Charlotte, but yeah. I think it. I think it really has more uh, credibility and more place, if you will, yeah. where it is right now. Because I was there when uh, WK was formed in '71. Yeah. Well, uh, let's put it that way. I was there when the uh, concept was thrown out. Right. I was there to see why it was thrown out, and as you know, I was—I wasn't on the first round of board of directors, but I was on the second round of board yep. of directors. Yep, yep. And you know it, it, that stone just belongs there.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. It's and and like you said, nothing—nothing nothing against being in Charlotte, but it's going to be so appreciated there. I think time and again there'll be yeah. stories to tell by the old timers and history okay. and it just it needs to be there and it, it meant a lot to me that gary just said man bring it down it's where it needs to be so
1: well you know it's it's uh it's bad to say you start talking about the old timers we are the old timers <laughs> yeah right most,
0: I, I guess most you're of right them,
1: well most of them cowboys including your dad who was involved in that in that first yeah. uh first round i think there's maybe one or two or three of them still alive the rest of them have, have gone uh, you're right. And now we look around, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 70. We are the old timers now.
0: Yeah. So right. the ones that are going to be sitting
1: around talking about that, <laughs> stones, me and you. <laughs> well,
0: I, I think we're doing it right now, Lynn.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You, yeah. uh, y'all were telling tales about your dad over there the other day. And one thing, one thing I remember about your dad, um, Actually, two things I remember about your dad. Number one, somebody was ragging on him and giving him hell on more than one occasion. And I remember yeah. he always had he always had the same answer when somebody would draw the lawyer card. Yeah. He'd say, well, you know, I'm, no, I'm not happy with this, and I'm just going to sue you. And your dad always had the same answer. He could have had it in a little box with a button. <laughs> he would always tell him, just be sure you spell my name right.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was him.
1: Yeah, and the uh, I, I think I've lost my train of thought now. I can't remember what the other thing yeah. was. Oh, I know what it was. We were at a board meeting in High Point, North Carolina. It was after yeah. after they moved down there. Mm-hmm. It was after I had served. I think it was two terms because they would only let you serve two, I believe. Right. Anyway, short and long of it is, I had went to that meeting because they were going to talk about some technical stuff. And I, had, I was not on the board at the time, but I was involved in the NAKTC, where IKF and WKA had three people of each to yes. put the technical stuff together so that the equipment would be the same back and forth. Yes. Well, Joe Grubbs was a board member at the time, and right. he knew that I was going over to this meeting, and he gave me his proxy. Mm-hmm. so we show up at this meeting and you know it's going on we're talking well, the first thing came up for a vote and they you know said okay we're gonna vote on this who's for it who's against it? well I put my hand up your dad looked at me and he says what are you putting your hand up for <laughs> I said, well, I'm 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 for this he says you're on the IKF board you ain't voting on the WK board I said, well, George, I've got Joe Grubb's proxy. He said, I don't care if you've got the president's proxy. <laughs> yep. You ain't voting.
0: That sounds so like So I it. said, well,
1: okay, I guess I ain't voting. So I started putting my stuff in the briefcase. Your dad says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm packing up to go home. He says, I didn't say you had to leave. I want to hear what you got to say. I said, yep. you ain't voting. <laughs> that's right. That,
0: I, I can see him saying it, Lynn. Yep, that's
1: right. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's just... That's the way George ran WK. Yeah. This is the way it's gonna be. And that's that.
0: You knew and where you stood. You knew where you everyone stood. Everyone right? understood
1: it and nobody got yeah. a problem with it.
0: Yeah. And exactly. I didn't
1: leave. That's... I was there for two more days. Yep. You know, felt like I was a part of everything. I yep. just wasn't allowed to vote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yep, that's right.
1: But uh your dad was uh your dad was an amazing guy. Uh I Thank always you. admired I always admired his his uh way of getting along with people
0: thank you i I appreciate you saying that he was uh it was it was natural it was the way he was and and he respected people if they respected him you know
1: yeah exactly george george always dealt what he was given exactly you give joe you you give you give george a lot of grief he's probably going to hand it back to you yeah george was george handled things a lot like drivers handled things back in the days yeah If you think about it yeah right yeah, Yeah. We didn't need rules and regulations no. and video cameras and
0: or protests.
1: <laughs> we didn't need all that stuff. No, exactly. It, it, it got handled. It did.
0: Yeah. All right, Lynn. Well, thank you, buddy. I'll tell you, this is uh, this has been pretty memorable. I really appreciate it. Uh, we need to we need to wind her down and let you get back to what you were doing and, and all that good stuff. But it's it's been an awesome day, Lynn. I, I really want to thank you. Uh, For all the listeners out there, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, It was a a lot of good stuff with Lynn. Uh, Remember, say a prayer for the first responders out there, the firefighters, uh, firemen, uh, hospital workers, police officers. They're out there in this mess every day, and they need all the help they can get. So say a prayer for them. And uh, until next time, remember, uh, racers don't last forever, but racing memories do. This is R.K., and we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot.
2: Thank you.